thanks for joining us here in the prayer room today. You know, it's really a unique time in our world as we're still navigating through this whole coronavirus pandemic. But recently in our country, we've experienced another crisis as well. As events have unfolded on several occasions over the last months, we've been reminded just how deep of a sin divide still exists in our culture. That sin divide has shown up in the form of racism really, really recently. And you know, we believe at LifePoint that we must say something. Really, we don't need to just say something, we must do something. So today, we're, we're sort of gonna blow up the format of the prayer room that you've been used to over the last few weeks. Typically, we gather in this space to, to be led in a guided prayer time using different models of prayer. Well, today, we're gonna hear from some dear friends of mine. We're gonna change it up and, and, and we're gonna talk and we're gonna talk and pray for the families and the victims of racism and for the offenders and their families of racism. And we're gonna also try to deal with our own hurts and sin and the issue of racism. Now, that's a lot of heavy stuff. And so we're gonna ask God to lead us into action as we pray through these things. You know, we believe that the only way this problem, which is ultimately a sin problem, will be fixed is by Jesus himself. And so that is why we believe that our immediate response must be to talk and to listen. First, to talk to one another about how we feel and what we've experienced, and to listen to one another as well. But most importantly, we've got to talk to the Lord about these things. And we've got to listen to his voice and to follow his leading. The Bible says that we should weep with those who weep, Right now, we have a lot of folks in our world who are weeping, and so today it is right for us to do so as well. So let's begin our, our prayer time together today. Let's, let's pray a prayer of dependence on God, a prayer of lamentation for those in the situation in our world today, a prayer of begging for God to work. So join me now as we pray for God to lead our time and, and for our conversations and that God would line up our hearts with His and that we would be willing to listen, to be moved, and to take action. So right now, where you are, I just wanna ask you to just by yourself, take a moment. And I don't need to lead you in this. I just want you to ask God to begin to mold your heart to His, to reveal even in your own heart places that you might even have that you didn't even know you had and to ask God to help you how you can begin to be answer in all of this confusion in our world today. So would you just pray right where you are right now for these things to begin to happen in your heart?
we just, right now, we come to you in complete dependence. We come to you, Lord, uh, with a lot of emotion. I know that people all over our community, Lord, here within our church, here within Middle Tennessee, here within our country, and God, all over the world, Lord, are just full of different emotions. Lord, as I've been talking to people, uh, people are afraid. Some people are concerned, they're scared, they're confused. And God, I just, I pray that you would begin to open our hearts, Lord, so that we would not feel like we have to have all the answers, but that we would just listen to people. God, I know that sometimes we're afraid to approach people to talk because we're afraid that we won't have the answers. God, help us to know right now, Lord, you're the only answer. And God, we just, we just wanna listen. We just need to listen so that our empathy can begin to build. God, I, I pray that uh, as you open our, our, our hearts and our ears to listen, that you would take down defenses and God, you would just help us to be the people of God. People who are serious about your word and that when our brothers and sisters weep, we should weep. God, right now there are brothers and sisters who are weeping all over the world and I pray that we would weep with them. God, I pray that, Lord, we would begin to take you and your word very seriously to the point that we don't just know it within our mind and we just don't read it, but we live it, God. And Lord, when we look at your word, there is absolutely no place for any kind of inferiority or superiority. There is absolutely no place for any kind of racism. There's, there's no place for any kind of division, God. That's what sin did. That's what sin brings. And I pray, God, that we would hear your heart, that we would hear your voice, and that we would begin to live your heart, that our heart would beat with yours. And God, I pray that we would know that we might not see major changes tomorrow, God, but that we would take action today that would lead to major changes as the days go by. We love you and we want you. And we pray that you would guide and that you would lead. And God, we pray that you would change our hearts, continually sanctify us, purify us, bring us into your image. And we know that the things that we're seeing have nothing to do with your image. And God, I pray that we would be brought into your image more and more every day. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I, as I said, I have three friends today that, that I love deeply. That they're friends, they're more than friends, they're, they're coworkers, they're on my staff. Uh, but I, I've known these, these three for a long time now. To be honest, I have Ken Hampton. Ken, I've known Ken. I've been I've been here at this church for 26 years now. I've known Ken for probably 25 of those years. Um, when I came, I was the youth pastor. Ken was a police officer here in Smyrna, and he was uh, wore a lot of hats as a police officer. I know he was a spokesman for the the police department for a while, but he was the dare officer. Uh, when I was a youth pastor. And so he and I, we did a lot of work with kids together for teenagers and with schools and stuff like that. And so we got to know each other. And I began to love this man years ago. And, and so we've known each other for probably 25 years. And, and he's been a part of our church here for, I don't know, Ken, how long? Uh, how long have you been a part of our church now? Uh, probably 14, 15 years. Yeah, 14, 15 years. God brought him here and, and uh, to be a, a part of our community. And so I love this man. And, and he's been on our staff now for how long, Ken? 
five years five years yeah. five years it, wow yeah. he's been our staff for five years and so so man I, I love this man i love his heart i know he loves the lord and he's got a lot that he's taught me and a lot he to teach you okay i have also brandy hernandez i've known brandy for a long time brandy came to our church and she was actually saved she gave her life to christ was redeemed at our youth camp right after her eighth grade year, which was about 12 years ago. I just told your age, Brandy, I'm sorry. So, uh, uh, but uh, about 12 years ago, Brandy has come into our church and she loves the Lord and this girl is committed. Let me tell you how committed she is. When she graduated from high school, she went to our, our Brussels campus was brand new. She went straight from high school and we felt strongly enough about her, her maturity and her leadership. She went straight from high school to Brussels to serve as an intern in our Brussels campus for six months, Brandy. She she lived there for six months right out of high school. That's how strongly we feel about her. Matter of fact, I feel so strongly about Brandy and love her so much that a lot of our other staff, they sort of give her a hard time calling her the golden girl here. And so, uh, but that that's Brandy and I, I love Brandy. And and uh, then Travis, Travis Ryan, he, he's our worship pastor. He's been our worship pastor now for seven or eight years, sure. Trav. Seven, seven years. Seven years. Man, uh, I, I love this guy and his family, and I just, I love, he loves the Lord, and he's got such a heart for for everybody, but especially marginalized. So just introductions of these folks, and, and so uh, I love them. And, uh, and I, I just want to hear, I want you to hear, because here's what we need to do. I, I really believe this with all my heart. As I said in my prayer a moment ago, we don't know what to do, to be quite honest, in these times. A lot of us, what, what can we do? What can I do? Let me tell you one of the greatest things you can do right now. Well, obviously, the greatest thing you can do is begin to tune your heart to the Lord's heart, right? Because he is so opposed to racism. I mean, it's the maddest Jesus ever got. And he did get angry. He said, do not sin in your anger. So he didn't sin because he was righteously angry about racism. That's what he did when he cleaned the, clean, cleansed the temple. Because he referred, this house will be a house of prayer. And he, he was referring to a verse out of Isaiah the prophet who said that, that it was referring to a time when God would bring people from all races and ethnicities into his people and they were keeping them out. He cleared a space for them, folks. It's not his heart. And so that's the most important thing we could do. But the next thing is just listen. Just listen. You know, when I listen, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't pretend to have the answers. I don't pretend to know even how someone whose color of their skin is different than mine, I don't pretend to know and to say, oh, I know how you feel. I don't know how. I, I, how can I possibly know that? It would be disingenuous for me to tell Ken, I know how you feel because I didn't grow up under the same circumstances that Ken grew up in or Brandy. And so one of the greatest things we can do is just say, brother, how do you feel? And then not be defensive and not say, well, hold on. I, just listen and have empathy. And so right now, Brandy, I, I just, you know, you... Brandy, as a, as, a, as a young, strong, Christian, Hispanic woman that loves the Lord, and your first allegiance is to the Lord, I know that about you. Tell, tell me how you feel in recent days and how you, how you felt all your life. I mean, I, I just I want to know how you felt all of your life. Yeah. Um, so this is something that I have experienced ever since I can remember growing up um, in elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, comments all the time of just, you know, things of like, what are you? And just really hurtful things that I still um, deal with on a daily basis and, and reflect on. And um, 
But when I hear about what's going on, um, especially recently, um, some of my my first thoughts are for um, the people that I know really, really well um, who um, are not white, who are from all over the world. And one thing that the Lord has given me is a heart for the nations and a heart to understand and get to know people who are different from me. Um, and I've gotten to do that. Um, here in Middle Tennessee, I didn't even have to go overseas. Um, my, my first experience with the culture outside of my own was here um, in Smyrna. And so when I hear about what's going on, my heart breaks for those people that I've gotten to know who are experiencing this. Um, and it's just, it's really hard um, because I think, what can I do to help them? These are families from the Middle East, families from South America, families from um, Africa that I've gotten to know and sit down and have conversations with and hear their struggles. And and so when I hear about things going on in the hatred, um, it, it honestly breaks my heart, um, not just for me and my family. Um, you know, my family is from Central America and um, I have nephews who, nieces and nephews who are Hispanic and black. And so my heart breaks for them to grow up in a world where people um, look down on them for the way that they, the way that God created them. And um, another thing that I think of is the families um, that I know, the white families who have children that they've adopted um, and having to have those conversations with their kids, um, but more so for those parents who love their kids and have to navigate those conversations and tell their kids that. Um, just the other day I saw this woman, this white woman who's adopted a little boy um, and he is black and he, she was holding him and he was resting in her and my heart just broke for, for her, for one to know that people look down on her, her son, but also for what she's feeling for him. That's her child. And God placed him in her life for a reason in hers and his. And so my heart breaks for those families that are having to have these conversations with their kids who they love so much. And um, it's just, I can't imagine what those parents are feeling too, um, knowing how much they love their children and want the best for their children. And so I think about those families that are having to have those conversations and parents who are having to learn the perspective of, I grew up white and so how do I understand for the sake of my kids. Um, and so that that breaks my heart too. And just when I think about it, it's I'm one person, what can I do? And I get very overwhelmed with that of what can I do to help do this? This is such a big issue that's more than just Smyrna, more than Middle Tennessee. Um, this is all over our country. And so when I look at it that way, I get very overwhelmed and think my voice isn't enough or my actions aren't enough. And so, um, yeah, it, it's hard to think about people um, not liking you because of this color of your skin without even knowing. Um, and just the hatred that just has been circulating back and forth, um, that breaks my heart. And I get so overwhelmed by that too, because that's that's not of the Lord. That is, that is the enemy. Um, and when I look at these riots and these protests that end up crazy, um, 
that's just the enemy and I and and the root of that is sin. And so it's even a greater need of these people need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Um, yeah. And that sin is the root of all of this. And so it's just a, my heart breaks for that too, um, yeah. for people who don't know the Lord, yeah. um, who are caught up in their in their sin. And, and so. Randy, I, I want to ask you a question, a follow-up question here, because I think well, you said something in the very beginning and my mind immediately went to, you know what, I, I think a lot of folks have in their intention of asking questions, they don't even know what they're asking is offensive. You said people asking, what are you? Mm -hmm. Talk just, can you go a little bit deeper with that? I mean, uh, obviously I know what you meant, mm -hmm. I think, but can you go a little deeper with yeah. that and tell how that made you feel? Yes. I mean, yeah. So yeah. one specific instance that I always remember was, um, I was sitting at a Cracker Barrel with a friend here in Smyrna and we were just, you know, having conversation and our waitress comes over and um, we're just talking to her. She noticed I have a cross tattoo, so we're talking about that. And then her next thing is, so what are you? And I was like, are you asking me like what I believe? Like I didn't yeah. know what she was yeah, asking. Was like, yeah. And um, she's, I said, Baptist? Like I don't know what she was <laughs> wanting to know. Yeah. And she's like, no, but like, what are you? And, I, and I'm like, to me, that sound, that question, sounds so like like something's wrong with me that I'm yeah. it's it draws out like you're different you're not like me so like yeah and so it's it's hurtful and makes me feel it's almost like dehumanizing a little bit yeah or when people say uh you know they'll say so where are you from and I'll say oh well I was born in Virginia but I've lived in Tennessee most of my life yeah um and they're not like no no like what are you like where yeah. are you really from well, I was born outside of DC. That's yeah. where I'm from. I'm from here. Yeah. Um, and so that just, when I hear those questions, it's like, it takes me back a moment. And mm -hmm. it's like, it, it reminds me like, oh yeah, I am different than them. But the way that they ask those questions, it's very, it's in a negative way. Yeah. It's yeah. not like a trying to get to know me kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And it's like you, it's, it's, like you are different and I'm calling you out on that and noticing yeah. that. And I, that may not always be the intention. I think there's some ignorance with that of just yeah. understanding, but it is hurtful. And I'm, it's something that I still think about and still get asked all the time. Brandy, I'm sure sometimes there's intention. Mm -hmm. The reason I wanted to go, you go deeper is because I, I, I really think that a lot of times there's not an intention. It, 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 people just don't realize the power of words and how how we're asking things maybe because I think that my point is we all grow up and we're molded and by how we grew up and an environment we grew up in and sometimes we don't even realize the questions we're asking are offensive and that's why we just need to ask we just need to listen wow I I, I want to be more empathetic and and so Brandy I thank you I, uh, you're a strong woman and I, I love you love the Lord and we love you and I thank you for what God's doing in your heart and your life and uh, man and for and for fighting and making a difference for the kingdom of God and so Ken you you come from you know a different perspective uh, you grew up man a uh, uh, as a black man down here in, in middle Tennessee uh, and uh, uh, you you uh, uh, you're in your 50s now. I'm, I'm really telling your age. I know. <laughs> so, so uh, man, I, you, you've been a police officer. 
you, man, you're you're in ministry now, uh, and uh, I, what what are you what are you feeling about all that's going on right now? And I mean, listen, you can talk about your life. I mean, man, I, I mean, man, I, I've known you for a long time. You and I have had a lot of conversations, but man, I, everybody knows you. Ken loves Ken, but I don't know if everybody that knows Ken knows what's going on in Ken's heart. And so, t- t- share a little bit about that with us. Well, <clears throat> first of all, you know. I want to say it's 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 I'm sharing my feelings. I'm gonna share what this has done to me. Um and some people may not agree, some people may not, but I'm looking looking at all of this from several different perspectives. I'm looking at it as a young black man, young boy who grew up in an area that was racist, a lot of racism. Um, then being a police officer. I'm looking at it through the eyes of police officers, but also looking at it through the eyes of a father who has mm-hmm. sons and daughters who's out there. And then also as a pastor. And when I think about it, I look at the big picture. I I get angry. Mm-hmm. Um, several months ago when, when um, Ahmad in, in Georgia, when that young man was chased down and, and shot, killed it, brought back something that happened to me when I was a young boy um, in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee. I was warned by some older gentlemen right after high school, right after school, that I probably needed to go home because there was a man riding around town looking for me because of the relationship that I was in with his daughter. And later that afternoon, that man showed up at my house with his shotgun, I would assume, to kill me. Why wouldn't he? Why did he have it? And lo and behold, an aunt of mine showed up and intervened, stopped it, sent him on his merry way, and was told not to say anything else about it. And here I am, you know, 40 something years later, having something to happen to trigger that, that pain that I've, I've held in for a long time. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I want, that that's that's hurtful um just because of a choice of two people wanting to be in a relationship together that people disliked it so much that they was willing to harm me um and people i go disliked it because she I, was I, white she was white and i was, was black. black and you know it it i you know i had classmates that was white that i was friends with but those kind of things we just didn't discuss and it was years and years later that I was able to share with those friends that I felt comfortable enough to share with those friends some of the race, racism, racist things that happened to us while we was in high school. Being an athlete, we was, you know, we was popular. You know, we had a lot of support. But when it got out that some of the guys on the teams was dating white girls, uh, it was told mm. that we needed to stop or people weren't going to support us. You know, it's, it's things like that that we didn't feel comfortable as young black men to mention or say anything about because of the repercussions of that. And so I go on to when I become a, a police officer, and I, I want to say this to people out there who has this hatred for police officers. Mm. I can say this. I have family members. Yeah. I have really good friends that are police officers. Right. And I can say this without a doubt. Racist or not, 
I don't believe that any of them wake up in the morning time and go say that I want to kill somebody, that I want to hurt somebody. I've always, even when I was a police officer, I had a fear of police officers when I would get pulled over because I didn't know. And one of the things I could tell people out there is, is, you know, it's okay to have that fear, but you need to respect that. Police officers need to respect other folks because what we fail to realize as citizens, you don't know what that police officer had gone through that day before he got up, what things he may be struggling with. That's right. And the least little thing may trigger something. I've always told my kids to be very cautious because I don't want to get the phone call that one of my kids have been shot or killed because they reacted in a certain way. It's a shame that I have to tell my kids that, but I do. I've had more conversations over the last few days with my kids about it, and they're struggling as well. So I just think that, you know, police officers, my friends, I consider you friends. I consider you family. You know, conversations is very, very important. I can say in 20 years of being in law enforcement, I never ever thought that I was gonna have to kill anybody. Not once. People made fun of me because I was always willing to talk. I was always willing to speak a little bit more and listen to what somebody else has to say. If it takes you 20 minutes to sit and have a conversation with somebody, that may be 20 minutes It may save somebody else's life. It may save some young black male from getting killed. I hurt for you as police officers. I hurt for our black young men, older men, black females. I hurt for them and I'm scared for them. Not just necessarily because of a police officer, but their voice is not being heard. I'm As a pastor, I wanna help. I wanna jump in there, but I don't know what to do. I pray, I pray and I pray and I will continue to pray. But through my processing of all of this, I've realized that the voices that's being heard, the people who are making the decisions and all of this and everything, the majority of decisions being made in this country about white males. And I wanna encourage you, my white friends, my white male friends, white female friends, if you really, really wanna make a difference, if you really wanna make a change, speak out, mm. please. To my black brothers and sisters, let's be better than what we have been. It's okay to do a peaceful yeah. protest, march, but to tearing up our, just, you know, just tearing up property, that's not the answer. That's right. You're validating, you're giving those people who, some that don't like you already, giving them another reason not to. You're the one that's gotta make a change. We can't change what has happened in the past 
but from today forward, we can. I have two grandkids that I love dearly, and I don't want them to experience what I have experienced or what some other people have experienced. So it's, it's gotta be a collective thing. We all have to come together. We all have to. Ken, I, something that I, I wanna, I, I guess, follow up on what you said, and I think it's really important right now in our time for our conversation. Because I really, I really feel like this is what happens in our time. We all want to move forward. I, I, I believe the people watching, listening, praying right now. We, we want to move forward. We want to move out of this. We. It's hard to believe we're 2020, and we're still dealing with the, the same things. I see uh, this week. I saw on TV we launched a rocket and all this social unrest, and it's like the 60s. And it's like we we want to move forward. When are we? Only Jesus can fix it. But here's one thing I think right now that's easy to get in the way of that. I think it's easy, and I, as I said Sunday, it's easy for people to pick sides. And people think when we speak up, you're either for um, one side, that means you have to be against another. And so I, I, what I heard you say is, and this is what I really wanna, folks, standing up doesn't mean you're against something uh, necessarily. For instance, here's what I say, I say that because I, I, I know Ken and as a police officer himself, man, I, we want to make very clear. I want to make very clear, and I know his heart is, the police is not, the, the, this is not a police issue, right? Uh, there are, all police officers are not bad, right? I know you know right. that. I mean, this is a minority. I, there's a, I say all the time, there's bad preachers, there's bad, uh, you know, musicians, there's bad everything. There's some bad cops, but I, I've got my there. I thank the Lord for our police officers. You do. We all thank the Lord for our police officers. So this is not because we're speaking up against this doesn't mean because we're speaking up for our black brothers, for uh, for our Hispanic brothers and sisters, for anybody of color doesn't mean that you got to oppose the police. And I, and I hear you say it because we love for all of our policemen and women. We love. We support. We're thankful for you. My goodness, we're thankful for you. And so. Don't anybody take that as a, a, a disrespect for any police because it's not. And I know his heart, and that's what he's saying is like, man, th this is not a police issue. And so that's one thing. But the other thing is, is like, and I, I'm glad to hear you say, on the other hand, the rioting, because people's like, yeah, but look at this. And, you know, so far from what I've seen in rioting, Ken, and I'm gonna be honest, I'm glad you said that, but it's not, it, the rioting we seen in Nashville the other day, it wasn't black people, it was black and white and, Hispanic, and it was all kind of people. Matter of fact, the man who they arrested for burning, setting fire to the uh, courthouse was a white man, you know? And so, it, it, but, I, but I appreciate you saying that because I was gonna ask you, and, and you and Brandy both hit on that, because I, I think if people understand, you're, that's people who wanna affect change don't support rioting and looting. You do support the police, and you don't support rioting and looting, you know, so. It's just, a couple of things with, with that part of it is I've noticed because my kids are in that age that young people are so easily influenced. Yeah. And with that, if, if you have friends that's asking you to do stuff like that, you have to hold that friend accountable. It's the same thing with me in my walk with the Lord. I have people holding me accountable every day. So if you're put in that situation, you know, or you hear people, hold that person accountable, say don't do it. 
police officers. If you know that you got another fellow police officer that's doing stuff that's been racist, that's treating people unfairly, it's your responsibility to speak up to that. It's, it's you know, that's where we've gotten away from. We don't want to hold each other. We don't want to speak up about things, and we have to. It's It's gotten out of hand. And until we all are willing to say, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, we're going to continue to have problems. Yeah. And it's universal. Yeah. So, Ken, I, man, I, I'm glad that we're touching on this issue because I, I, I really feel like one of the ways to move forward is to clear up some understandings uh, about if we're standing up for uh, our friends of color that we're not standing against uh, police officers or anyone else. I really, I really, really feel like we need to get that because, uh, you know, he, he, here's the thing. Uh, police officers have the absolute hardest job that I can ever imagine. You see people, if you're a police officer, I, number one, thank you for what you do because, because you see people at their worst every day. That, that you're dealing with people at, at their worst, at their worst moments, really. And, you know, you're seeing that and you're not just having a noble profession. You're in a God ordained profession because the scripture says basically you're instruments of God's justice. Right. And so, uh, man, I, many of my we've got so many police officers within our church that I love and and that are awesome men and women. And so thank you for what you do. And I say that because I, I want I, as, as I talk to a lot of, of, of folks about this, Part of their fear or part of their concern, I guess, is the proper word is, man, if I stand up for this, am, am I standing against the police? And I, I, I want to say, no, no, no. We, the, we, the media lets us see an image. This is not a police issue. This is an us issue because it's a sin issue. It's a sin issue. Yeah, you see a policeman, and 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 many times those just like the one in Minneapolis. Obviously, I all the policemen I know says, man, that was that was stupid. That was ignorant. That was wrong. Uh, and and we see those images. But you know what? We don't see. We don't see images. A thousand other images every day within every state where you know that's a non-police officer. It's a it's a businessman. It, it, it's a welder. It's it's somebody who's doing this same stuff. You know, it may may not result in someone dying, but it, it results in some of their soul dying. And so it's not it's not a police issue. I, that, that's what I want to understand. Want our country to understand. This is a world. This is an us issue. Okay. And so uh, we stand for the police. And Ken, we stand for the black man and the Hispanic woman and uh, uh, people from all ethnicities because we're all created in God's image. And if we're created in God's image and we believe that, then we've got to let our heart beat with Jesus' heart. And so, Ken, man, thank you. I love you. I love your heart. Uh, I thank you for who you are and for, man, uh, just, just uh, Man, all the things that God's doing within you on our staff and on our team, you and Brandy both. And so, man, I want to throw it to Travis. Travis, your your experience is a little different. Obviously, you're a white man. So, so you know, I'm not coming and asking you specifically, tell me how you've experienced this. That would be crazy uh, as a white man. Uh, uh, that's not what I want to ask you. I just really want to ask you how you feel about it because, uh, you know, the Lord's doing some cool things in your soul and your heart with this recently. And so you're not here to say, how have you experienced it? It's, how, how do you feel about this? And, and, and what's going on with you right now? Absolutely. Uh, you know, for me, it was, I was, you know, like many of us were uh, in this pandemic <laughs> uh, at home, 
and out came the video of a mod uh, and you know 30 second video of a mod being chased down and he was shot and I uh, saw the video and I, my heart just broke mm, yeah um, my heart just broke and I was left with this question should I say something on Instagram right that's that's kind of what we do in this current time and era. If we have something to say, we put on the social space. And uh, it's funny, Travis, I'm sorry that you say this. Like, I remember one day when that's, uh, when this happened, I looked over and Amy was was looking at the computer or something, and I forget what I was doing, and Amy was crying. Yeah. And I said, but baby, what's wrong? I, I didn't know what was wrong. And she had just saw that video, and her heart was just that's right. broken. And I think, I think that was my, I asked a kind of a deep dive question, like we've had a lot of time to think, either we've been watching Netflix or <laughs> doing other things. Um, but I saw that video and it broke my heart and um, I uh, I posted his picture, you know, because when, we're, when yeah. everybody was responding was then two months, two months uh, after his death. Ahmad has passed this earth and we're just hearing about this. Yeah. And, um, I posted about it, and I posted about Amos 5, how uh, God uh, wants justice, right? And so um, I posted about that, and I was also reading a book at the same time by a pastor named Brian Loritz. He wrote a book called yeah. Insider Outsider, and he said uh, five. there's five levels of communication. I think these are very helpful for me, is that the first level is cliche, if I see you in the hallway at church, I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, and it's kind of surface level. Level two of our relationship is facts. We start talking about facts. Number three, uh, I start talking about opinions. Number four is emotions. And then fifth level of communication is transparency. Well, apply this to your marriage or your friends. Uh, if, if my wife comes to me saying she feels a certain way. And my response to her is, well, the facts are, we all know how that conversation goes. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, not um, good. Yeah. Very not good. <laughs> very not good. And, uh, um, and that was just resonating with me. And in that moment, the Lord was like, ask Ken how he's feeling. And, uh, so right there in the moment I'm moved by this. I texted Ken, I didn't get a respond, response right away. I then thought of George, another black friend of mine, and I texted him, and then I texted uh, JJ, and then I texted uh, uh, Rico at, at, at church. I, I started thinking of all my uh, black friends, and I just asked the question, how are you feeling? I asked James Smith, and the responses that I got were, um, very rooted in the gospel, but but angry and sad, and they've been they were triggered um, because I can't identify as a white man. Right. The history. Nope. Um, I've actually profited, uh, and I'm, I'm uh, by the system. Right. Uh, I have. Uh, I'm a white male. Um, uh, I don't feel bad about being white. Right. Right. But but what I do know is I have to identify with the hurt and the pains of my brothers and That's sisters, right. people of That's color. Right. So then Brianna Taylor happens and man, it's, it just was compounding. And then um, obviously we witnessed George Floyd and that one really 
uh, was an image that I'll never forget. Um, uh, and so, you know, sociologists call it uh, the condensed symbol. And this is a moment when all of history and worldview and all of these things kind of compound and one image triggers everything. And that's what we've experienced in our culture. And so for me to sit there and say, what, what can, Lord, something's got to change. I was reminded of Jesus when Jesus looks at Jerusalem and he knows Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. And that's really the context. He's seeing it and he's just weeping over it because they just don't get it. They're going to be destroyed. Well, just a few verses later in Luke, um, I think it's chapter 19, Jesus walks into the temple, the place where God's people are joined. And he's so angry because the Gentiles are kept out. And uh, he sees that this the system is only working for a select few. And God's heart is for the nations. Yeah. And so he turns the tables over. And so how can I... How can I be and asking the question, how can I over what's the tables I can overturn? You know, um, how can I be righteously angry? Right. And and well, that's only by the spirit. That is only by right. Jesus. And that is right. a t- total dependence. So I've been praying this prayer of just God, would you break us open? Would you break us open as a church? And I the Lord. Um, you know, I think of epic terms, right? I'm a musician. I write, what's the biggest song that we can go with? And uh, what's the biggest thing we can do? And there's a term for this. It's information to action ratio. And it's like, we, we know so many things about things we'll never be able to change. But then we know so little about the things we actually can't change, like our neighbor, you know, and knowing them. And so God said, your family. So I sat down around the table and uh, which I do with my boys, uh, Bible study every morning. And we've been going through Proverbs, and I took a break, and I read Ephesians 2. And I said, Jesus has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. He has broken through it. Do you know what that means, boys? And they're like, I have no idea. Well, you know, <laughs> and that's part of the deal. Yeah. I'm also intermixed just going, Jude, Jude, my eight-year-old. Hey, buddy. I'm over here, you know, do you know what this means? And so then at this moment, I kind of had this uh, thought, and I'm sure every father has a, a, a different tact, tact with this, but I pulled up George Floyd's video. I did not watch the entire duration of the video with them, but I wanted to put an image that I will never forget into uh, their mind. Yeah. And I said, do you see this? I said, humanity is broken and it needs Jesus. Hudson's eyes are just like tore up. Jude is deeply moved. I said, we gotta, we gotta be better. And the only way we can be better, it's not human striving, it's by the spirit. So I asked that the spirit would break the chains of racism. And this is a moment where I saw the place that I can affect is my house, this table with my family, I must disciple my children. I must chase away any ounce of racism that has a chance to hit them. And so with that being said, I think that is the place in which I can take responsibility is disciple making in my own house. That then also plays out here. Hey, church, 
you know, church family, this is an opportunity for you, fathers, single mothers, uh, single fathers, for you to be able to sit around a table and may, see the gospel come alive for your kids. This is not mere information that we're giving to the world of the gospel. He came and no, Jesus wrapped himself in human skin, felt what we feel, yeah. and yeah. died for us yeah. so that we could sit here together as brothers and sisters united in Christ, empathizing with one another. So disciple making is the key, I think, in one, in one space. Man, so. some things you said, Trav, that, that I, I think our people need to hear. Uh, one, um, it's okay to get angry. Yeah. Jesus got angry yeah. over this issue. It's okay to get angry, uh, but you must get angry within bounds. It's called righteous anger. Get angry over things that gets God angry, and that leads you to action. You, when you get angry over something, you generally take action, and so I, it's okay to get angry. Yeah, and that's what Ken was talking about. And Brandy is getting angry within bounds, the righteous anger that doesn't lead to sinful actions, but that leads to that, that leads to reconciliatory actions. Yeah, and and so it's okay to get angry. We should be angry. Um, and um, the the next thing I, I I think that you said that I really think is guys this this is right now has a an over six thousand year history. And let me tell you why I say six thousand because you know uh, I'm not arguing age of the earth that I'm not I, 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 any of that. I am humanity, right? Uh, and so the age of the earth is the Bible doesn't give us a born on date. So I, you know, uh, it says in the beginning, but. What we can realize is that humanity is about basically about 6,000 years old. And when sin entered the world and it divided Adam and Eve, it divided Adam and Eve from God, it divided Adam and Eve from each other. We began to see this play out when Cain killed Abel because he was different and, and because God you know, accepted his sacrifice, didn't accept him, murder. This has been played out for 6,000 years. It divides. Sin divides. It, it divides this is a sin issue. Again, it's not a police issue. It's not a, it's a sin issue. Sin divides. It, and if it divides the races and what it divides men and women, that's chauvinism. There's, there's feminism. It's sin. Chauvinism is sin. Feminism is sin, right? Uh, racism is sin. Uh, I mean, it divides between, I mean, different, different classes of people. Right, uh, educated, non-educated. If people are educated, then whoever's less educated, that's what sin does. And so I say that because, Trav, what you said is education will not cure this problem. We've tried that. All you'll do with an education is use bigger words to talk about it, okay? It will not solve your problem. The only thing that will solve this problem is the heart, and only Jesus can change the heart. And so, that being said, this has been going on for 6,000 years. And folks, here's what I know. It will go on until Jesus returns because we're, we're still in a sin-filled world that's broken by sin. It'll go on, but we don't have, we can push back against it. And the way we push back against it, we're, the idealism is heaven. <laughs> the idealism is the kingdom of God. That's what we really all long for where there is no racism, right? There is no, uh, there is no uh, you know, violence. There, there, there is none of that because it's perfect. That's what we long for. That's, it's not just idealistic. It's a reality for, the, for those who believe in God. 
Although we can't get there until we get to heaven, we won't see that, we need to push back against it now. And how do we do that? We've gotta begin at home. My kids, my kids, we all have to take action, right? And my kids, how can I teach my kids? Travis, I commend you. A lot of parents probably, when you said I showed my kids, my eight-year-old son, a video, a lot of parents probably went, Ugh. Totally. We live in a too sterile of a world to me. I did not show them the entire world. Well, Let's well, clarify. Regardless, yes, Trav, yeah. they, they need to be shocked at some level. Now, I'm, I'm not a child psychologist. I, that's up to parents. I'm just saying we live in too sterile of a world. We protect our kids. If we want to help our kids, and I, we need to protect our kids, but we need to disciple our kids. And, th and, and so yeah. I applaud you for being very intentional and very, I mean, to the point of, look, this is what's going on. Don't do this. We're going to change it and push yeah. back against it. And can I just say one final yeah. thing? I think as we engage with social media, which is a lot of our world, the first question was, you know, after uh, I saw George Floyd's video, but my first initial thought in my mind was, what, what, what's, what's the other side of the story? And what, as soon as I thought that, like that little, little thought, what's the other side of the story? I was like, that, that's wrong. I should be enraged by this. And because I think there's a, a lot of people that are holding back from speaking up and saying things because they, number one, don't connect emotionally. Uh, and and so I get it. What wisdom would say? Well, let's find out the whole so entire you're, story. You're, 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 and your first thing it might be to get defensive or something. Or yeah, and I just think there's an aspect here where it's like, hey, what, I I want to be connected with what what's happening. And yes, I do want to know the entire story. But humanity is humanity. Yeah. And and there, so yeah, right, right. And, and so just asking that question, man, how am I engaging with this video? How am I how am I responding to this? You know. Well, and folks, here, we're going to close out here. I, I, won't, I won't try to pray, but before I do, it's like, listen, we we all have to take action, and that's what I want you to pray about. I mean, some things. Here, let me let me tell you some things that I am absolutely in this time of confusion that I'm very clear about, in this time of of pain that I'm very grateful for, and in this time of, you know, uh, just man, wondering what's going on that I know is going on. Let, let, let me let me tell you a few of those things. One, I'm grateful that here at, at our at our church and ch other churches, it's not just LifePoint, but I can speak specifically to and for this place. And uh, but it's happening in other churches too. But God gave us a vision a few years ago, several years ago, that the white church, the black church, Dr. King himself, the most segregated hour is Sunday morning during church. Uh, I think black church and white church is not, uh, it's not a picture of the kingdom of God. I understand historically why it has been that way. It's time to not, not have that. We need to be together, okay? And I, I, I'm not idealistic. I mean, I, I, we need to be together and we need to worship. I began to pray about that years ago. Uh, we had a guy come into our church. His name's Donnell. And he was like the only black man here. 20 years ago, and he joined our church. I pulled him aside and said, Donnell, you're here. You're not here just because, man, I, I like this church. You're here to affect change. Through that, God led us as a church, awakened us. One of the things God led me was to adopt, as Brandy talked about, my kids. I've got a, a child from Ethiopia, two children from China. 
I didn't want to adopt kids. I mean, I was, I was done. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to be some free, have some freedom. And so my wife was pushing on me and I'm like, no, baby, no, we're not doing it. But God said, yes, you are. And it's not just for you to have kids. It's because I want your family to be a picture of what my kingdom is to be like. And I want you to fight for this. Today, I'm thankful that LifePoint is, is, is growing every week in the number of black people, the number of Hispanic people, the number of Asian people, uh, people from every ethnicity. Uh, I, I'm, I look out and I almost cry sometimes because uh, of the diversity that I see. So it's happening. I'm hopeful. I know what God's doing. It's happening. Yeah. But now we need to push the pedal to the floor. We don't need to slow down. So church, we, we've, blown, we've blown up the prayer room tonight. It's been a conversation room, really. Okay, uh, and I think that's okay because what I want you to do is take all of this and pray. You might have gotten defensive through some of this because of some things you heard. I would say then you need to take that defensiveness and say, Lord, why did I get defensive? And just rest in that for a moment. Uh, you may be convicted through some of this. Uh, you need to say, God, what do I need to do? Maybe you don't have uh, um, friends of color. I I'm gonna tell you, you need you need to be calling someone and you just need to say, how do you feel? And not, and not, not have answers and not be defensive and just listen and draw empathy. Okay. All these things, what do you need to do? Because God's doing some great stuff here. This is an opportunity. So rather than this being a whole night of prayer, we want you to take these and pray about what your next step is. Okay. Pray about that. I, I want to do, I want Travis to pray for Brandy and for Ken and for all the people of color within specifically LifePoint Church, Middle Tennessee, and all over our country, all over our world, really. But Travis, will you, will you close our time out by praying for that? And then after that, if you'll just start praying about what your next step is. Okay. Absolutely. So, uh, Travis, would you pray for yeah. us? Heavenly Father, we come before you and uh, just rejoice in the fact of the table that we um, that we are gathered around right now uh, is your heart of the nations. And uh, I praise you, Jesus, for your death, for your resurrection, and for the reality that you've set into motion is, is one of unity. Mm -hmm. uh, not uniformity, but unity. That's right. And God, I just praise you for that. I, pr I pray, Holy Spirit, would you give us that vision of your kingdom? Give us the vision that you have, Jesus. Mm -hmm. With your vision, um, there cannot be division. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just move in power. Holy Spirit, move in power. I ask that right now um, that there would just be a great groundswell uh, within the heart of your church. Life point specifically here where we are, but also the universal church. I pray for a groundswell, a mighty move of your spirit through your bride to show the gospel is the truest and greatest narrative out there. Government cannot uh, fix this problem by itself. It cannot add to human flourishing, but God, what we do know is Jesus, you do. And so I pray that you give us vision. 
With that vision, it will greatly impact the decisions that we make, the conversations that we have, how we, um, the, the kind of questions we ask. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move, that you would change us, that we would become more like Jesus Christ. That's our desire, that's what we ask for. I pray right now, Lord, for those who have joined us in this conversation space, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you work in their hearts right now? I pray that those who are defensive would uh, change their position to receptivity, that they would be receptive, that this um, accountability that you've called us to, that we, at the end of all things, will stand before you, yeah. will uh, you say, uh, my good and faithful servant, that means that we do the things that you do, we speak the way that you speak, we go to the places that you go. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that um, our dear brothers and sisters right now, you just put in their heart to be receptive to what you wanna do. And I pray that they would just, the next step for them is just to ask those around them, how are you feeling? Let that question change our world. How are you feeling? Because God, we look at scripture and we see how you feel. We see how you love perfectly. We see that you, uh, Jesus, came down into our world, wrapped yourself in human skin, and, uh, and you will forever wear it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, glorified Son of God, we will see you and forever we will behold uh, our glorious King, fully God and yet fully man. And so Lord, I pray that we would embody that same um, a spirit here in our world. Holy Spirit, move. We pray in your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.